Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Thank you, choir, and thank you, musicians, and everyone involved. Let's join together for prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Dear gracious Lord and Father, we we thank you so much for your great goodness, and we thank you for your holy word that's given to us that we might understand and know uh, your desire for our heart. Lord, we pray that, that as we come together, Lord, that Your Spirit might speak to us, Lord, that Your Word might uh, instruct our lives and how we should live, Lord, that we might be Your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, excuse me, Luke chapter 2. The world in this particular time of the year is awfully cluttered with all kinds of things. It amazes me each year how quickly the towns can put up their Christmas decorations. It seems like uh, it's not even Thanksgiving anymore and they already have them up. And it seems like uh, Walmart goes in a perpetual motion of, of constantly uh, uh, one celebration after another just kind of all there together at one time. And in it, before you know it, they'll have all the spring and summer stuff out, and and uh, we'll skip over the rest of the year uh, right into that. But uh, things get cluttered in our homes. We we get all kinds of stuff in the mail. Uh, uh, I think uh, more than anything, uh, the the postal service is kept afloat by all the the sale items that come in the mail. Uh, this time of the year and all the cards and all that other stuff. It's just amazing all the the clutter that happens at this time. And it's not because of the birth of Jesus. It's not because of uh, the fact that it's a time of holy reverence to uh, what happened and occurred, but it is because of all the other things that happen this time of year. Let's look at at Luke chapter 2 and and this is a very familiar passage of scripture you probably was the focus of your Sunday school lesson if you were here for Sunday school um, uh, it's almost impossible not to have it as this is your focus but it says in verse 1 and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, because, uh, being great with child. And so it was that uh, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I want you to understand that uh, how much of this 
had to, uh, to come together at just the right time, just the right moment for everything to happen in the right uh, section, the right category of events and, and how amazing this event was. Even though we're so familiar with this passage of Scripture, it, it seems almost mundane, almost uh, uh, boring to read through it because we've heard it so many times. And many of you probably have it memorized and you could uh, uh, say it along with me while I was reading it. Uh, but how did all of this uh, occur and how did it happen that that we now celebrate this event on the time of the year that we do and the, and the way in which we do and, and with all the clutter that we have. How did all this come about? How, how is it that this very simple event became so cluttered and so filled with so many things that detract from the, uh, the original intent of God uh, to bring his presence amongst his creation and to live and to dwell amongst them. Well, I want to uh, point out with uh, you some things that happened and, and some ways in which all of this happened. Well, it all happened and started uh, really around the third century when the Bishop of Jerusalem uh, wrote a letter to the Bishop of Rome and wanted to know exactly when uh, Jesus was born. And uh, the Bishop of Rome did some uh, study and did some uh, uh, digging through archaeological records and came back with uh, the date that we all uh, associate with the birth of Jesus of December the 25th. Now all of us know about uh, the fact that it's most likely not uh, this t- uh, December the 25th that Jesus was born. Uh, but this was the date that he selected and, and most notably he selected it uh, for the most uh, nefarious of reason which was just to, uh, to try and help bring a lot of pagans that were within his influence into the proper, uh, uh, the proper thinking of things in terms of spiritual th- uh, uh, understanding. He was very shrewd because he, he picked this time of the year because there were a lot of folks that were still involved in a lot of their pagan worship and a lot of their pagan celebrations, even though they might have been uh, uh, Christians and, and uh, fellowshipping and, and being a part of the church and, and following along the, the Christian uh, uh, way of living, they were still doing a lot of the things that they did in the pagan world. It's kind of, uh, it's a lot like it is today. Uh, people uh, associate and are part of the church and then they go out into the world and the, and the rest of their lives and they do a lot of the things that are uh, associated with people in the world and things that they used to do uh, before they became Christians. And uh, these pagan celebrations were still happening all around the world and uh, it's these pagan celebrations that that were happening during this time of the year during uh, the December when everything was cold and dark and, and all the trees, uh, the leaf-bearing uh, trees had uh, shed their leaves and, and when people were looking forward to the days in which uh, the weather was a little bit warmer, that, that uh, plants would grow and they would... Uh, you have to remember also that a lot of, uh, they didn't have grocery stores like we have today. They didn't have a way of, of going out and and just picking up uh, tomatoes and and cucumbers and all the things that we eat today, uh, they had to save those things from the time in which they were grown and they had to preserve them or they had to to keep them in whatever way they could so that 
During the winter months when uh, things weren't growing, when things weren't uh, being produced, that they had a way of, and a means to survive during this time. And so they, it was a dark and dreary time and uh, they were uh, uh, cold and they were uh, yearning for the times when things were better. What would happen is, is people would uh, do these celebrations in the midst of winter to try and get their hearts lifted to get themselves uh, uh, anticipation of the spring and, and to help them to, to be prepared for the time in which crops would grow and things would be, would be better. They would adorn their house with evergreens and they would celebrate in parties. And the idea was is that this bishop uh, picking December the 25th, the idea was is to engage people in a more spiritual pursuit other than the pagan rituals. It was a nice thought, but the pagan rituals never stopped their uh, influence. For instance, the Romans uh, in the month of December had the festival of Saturnalia, which they worshipped their god named Saturn with giving of gifts. And this was a god of agriculture. And so they would give uh, gifts to one another and they would place uh, evergreen branches around the home and they would hang, hang trinkets or off of these evergreen uh, branches and that, that uh, gave the way to uh, our practice today of hanging ornaments from the Christmas tree. The Norsemen up in the north, uh, they were harsh people. They had the festival of Yule or Yule Tide, and this was the worship of Odin and Thor. And there was a lot of fe- uh, feasting and a lot of drinking and a lot of celebrating. Uh, the uh, Persians had a, the god of Mithra, the god of light, and it was to uh, celebrate uh, Mithra uh, throughout the whole winter time, where things were dark and the days were shorter, and and light was was uh, only a short period of time during the day, and so they would celebrate the whole time in anticipation of the time in which light would return and their days would grow longer and and uh, things would be better. In England, uh, the England was full of druids at this time, and they would gather mistletoe, and they would offer sacrifices. They uh, they believed that. Mistletoe was a, a sacred thing, and what they would do is they would uh, collect mistletoe and they would uh, uh, have uh, sacrifices of white oxen and they would uh, do special traditions and things uh, related to the mistletoe and they would hang the mistletoe and whenever enemies would be underneath the mistletoe, they would embrace. This was uh, leads to our uh, current tradition of mistletoe in the home. Um, in Holland, they had uh, a venerated priest named St. Nicholas that uh, rode a white horse and would give out gifts to those in, uh, who were uh, poor and uh, didn't have much uh, of their own. And the Dutch name for this uh, priest was uh, Sinterklaas, which gives us our current understanding of, uh, or the current name of Santa Claus. Caroling was something that didn't come about until about the 14th century, in which uh, people would, uh, minstrels and and uh, people, uh, jesters and murmurs would have uh, a parade with uh, musicians, and there'd be lots of feasting and partying, and uh, people would go th- uh, around with uh, uh, masks on and great uh, 
uh, costumes and things and they would go to, to people's houses and sing. And so all these traditions are things that, that we see in, in the clutter of our, the simple worship of our Savior who came into the world. And, and all of this is, is, uh, is crowding around the very simple uh, fact and the simple understanding of Jesus Christ coming into the world that He might be a sacrifice for us, that He might dwell within us uh, dwell amongst us. And so I want us to look at, at these verses and I want us to see uh, three settings, the world setting, the national setting, and the uh, personal or the individual setting this morning as it relates to this uh, very simplistic story that has uh, that it is really not full of all this clutter, but let's, let's get down to the basic simplicity of what is happening. First of all, the, uh, the world setting. It says in verse 1, "...and it came to pass in those days." Well, John's very specific in what he writes, and sometimes we fail to understand what he's trying to say. Uh, when he says, "...in those days," You really have to go back and you have to understand what he means by in those days when he says that. You have to really go back to the, uh, the first part of Luke. In Luke chapter 1 it says uh, in verse 5, And, and there was in uh, the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest. And so what we see is that what he's referring to as in those days is referring to... <laughs> a very specific time, a time in which uh, Jesus Christ was born. Herod was king, and, and he's talking about the, in, in the time of, of uh, Herod's reign of, uh, of that region of Judea and that time in which he had influence over the people of Israel. You have to understand and remember uh, the world setting. Rome was in power. Rome had authority over Israel. Uh, Rome was uh, was dominant in those days, um, and Herod was hated uh, by the people, and the people hated Herod. Remember, Herod was not a Jewish individual; he was uh, set up as a, uh, a ruler over the of that region uh, for uh, the Roman uh, emperor Caesar Augustus. Now. Uh, Caesar Augustus was was emperor, but he allowed Herod to rule in this area, and Herod was an Edomite. You have to remember that uh, the Edomites were uh, um, they were not liked by the Israelites. For one, they were not part of the Israelite uh, clan because they came from uh, Ishmael, and they they were not a part of the Israelite. Uh, lineage, and then also when Israel was coming out of of Egypt, and they were trying to make their way to the Promised Land, the Edomites did not allow them to cross over their land, and the Edomites uh, tried to uh, do everything they can could to make life miserable for the the Jewish nation, and so the Edomites have been enemies of Israel ever since. Uh, this was a time when uh, not only was Herod hated by the Israelites because of his birth, but you have to also remember that uh, the wise men came to, uh, to Herod and said, uh, well, Herod, you know, this came later after Jesus was born, of course, uh, but he, was, he hated anyone that might be a challenger to his uh, rule and authority. 
And that led him later, of course, to, to try and kill uh, Jesus, to try and kill anyone that, uh, that might be this uh, new king that was being born. Um, uh, but this all happened after Je- uh, the birth of Jesus. But that was the kind of individual he was. He was uh, willing to, to simply uh, kill all babies under a certain age just to be sure that he, did, he got this one individual. This was also the days in which Gabriel came to Zacharias and Elizabeth. You have to remember uh, uh, that Gabriel came and announced this uh, this birth of that Elizabeth would have a child, and Elizabeth was in her old age, and Zacharias was in, her, in his old age, and and they had no children. She was barren all of her life, and all of a sudden they're getting word that uh, she was going to have a child. This is an amazing event. And it is an intervention of God that, that she would be able to have a child. Uh, but, uh, and of course, his, this child that was to be born was John, who would be the, the herald of the Messiah. And Gabriel also came to Mary and Joseph and announced that Jesus would be born. And so these are those days, the days of Roman uh, occupation, the days in which uh, uh, Rome was in authority. And you have to remember, at the beginning of all this, Joseph was in Nazareth. He was uh, not in Bethlehem. But what about all of the... the, uh, uh, prophecies that said that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Well, uh, the reason that Joseph even went to Bethlehem is because uh, there was a census, a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And with that taxing, they had to go to the place of their birth, the, uh, the city in which uh, of their uh, forefathers the lineage came from and so that's why Joseph took uh, that difficult trip with Mary while she was still pregnant it wasn't something that she wanted to do it wasn't something that they uh, desired to do but this is something that they had to do kind of like our taxes on April 15th I don't know anybody that's happy to do their taxes each year but we kind of do it because the government kind of requires it of us. And if we don't do it, there's a penalty. And those penalties can be quite stiff if we don't do it within a certain amount of time. Well, the case was, was similar here. If you didn't follow what uh, the decree that Caesar made, uh, the penalty was quite severe, probably a lot more severe than our, the penalties for us today with filing our taxes. But uh, that was similar to what was going on. A great census was being conducted. Uh, Joseph had to leave where he was in Nazareth and travel all the way to Bethlehem because of the, uh, he was of the house and the lineage of David. And they were to be taxed there. Uh, and that was the national thing that was happening. They were going there uh, because they were part of uh, the world setting of, of being a part of the, the empire of Rome. But they were doing that as a way of complying with the rules that were set up for them in their own nation. They had to follow what was being uh, dictated to them uh, locally as well as as what was happening in the world. There was a world that was yearning for the Savior to come. This national desire for a Savior uh, to be uh, uh, there to liberate Israel from 
the Roman rule. Uh, the people of Israel had been waiting and yearning for this Messiah that would come. They saw the Messiah as a king that would come and would deliver them from the penalty of being under the Roman rule. Now, this wasn't the first time in which Israel was under foreign occupation. Of course, Israel <coughs> had for many years been uh, uh, taken out of, out of their home country and, and dispersed throughout the world as a, as a consequence to their not following after God and not uh, uh, allowing God to be their king and, and not following His desire, uh, desire for them to worship only Him. And because of that, he allowed other nations to come in and to uh, to take them into captivity. Uh, but they were all back uh, closer to Jerusalem. Those who could uh, had the opportunity to return. Uh, not all of the Jewish nation had returned, but many had made the the uh, the tri trip back to Israel and had become a part of that nation once again, but they were still under a foreign occupation. They were still under someone else's rule. And so the nation yearned for someone to, uh, the Messiah to come. They yearned for that deliverance. They, uh, Israel hated uh, anyone outside of the Jewish uh, uh, family, outside of the Jewish persuasion. Uh, that everyone outside of, of being Jews were Gentiles. And they hated Gentiles so much that if they had to travel through a Gentile country that before they entered back into, uh, into uh, Israelite territory, they would shake the dust of the foreign nation off of them before they stepped back into Israel because they didn't want anything to do with that foreign nation. They would never go into the home of a Gentile and, and uh, uh, spend time with the Gentile. They would never uh, dine with the Gentile because they would not consider any of the utensils and the things that they were eating clean. Uh, they hated and despised uh, people that were not uh, Israelites. And for that reason, they yearned for a Messiah that would come. And they saw the Messiah that was coming as a great king, which was part of, of uh, Herod's paranoia. Uh, because the great king was to be uh, a deliverer to take them out from this uh, foreign rule. But they didn't understand the, the significance of what Jesus would do. And so they went, Mary and Joseph, to be taxed. And so it was while they were there in those days. Can you imagine the precision timing? Think about this. I remember when uh, my children were born, you probably remember this as well, when your children were born, how uh, you, you, the doctor gave you a, uh, a uh, time in which he felt like your baby would be delivered. Whatever it is, it's almost always wrong, right? Because they can't tell all that stuff to the nth degree. They can do a lot, but they can't tell all of that. Even when uh, they can... Uh, kind of gauge all that stuff out there's always a time when uh, you know the baby just didn't ready to come out and and sometimes it goes way beyond a lot of times the baby's come way before the due date but Jesus, uh, Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem and the precision the precise timing that had to be take place 
for not only for Joseph and Mary to go to, to, to Bethlehem, but for them to, uh, for the baby to be born right when they were there in Bethlehem. Uh, we don't know how long they stayed, uh, but it's most likely they didn't stay for months and months on end for this taxation. So the precision with which God had to work all of this out for her to deliver at that time. It says, So it was that while they were there, her days were accomplished that she should uh, be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This very intimate of situation, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him up and laid him in a manger because there was no room. Many times we fail to understand the individual aspect of Christmas, of not just simply uh, the birth of Jesus, but all of the things that had to come together for this tremendous event. The coming together of, of Joseph into Bethlehem, the, 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 uh, the anticipation, the desire for a Savior, and here we have a very intimate moment of, of birth, of a mother giving birth of a child, and more specifically, the Messiah. But we've uh, many times uh, glossed over this very intimate act of giving birth. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Just, ladies, you know what a tremendous event it is to give birth to a child. Now, all the, the pain and the, uh, the emotions that are swelling within you as you give birth, and then all of a sudden, it's all over. And I'm sure it's, it's more... Uh, exhilarating and more uh, excruciating and, and uh, takes so much more energy even than probably running a marathon or, or doing uh, tremendous physical activity. But then all of a sudden it's over and the most rewarding thing is, is that you get to, to gaze into the, uh, the little face of the child that was born. Miracles happen every day in, in, throughout our world that children are born and, and we kind of have uh, gotten so far beyond the fact of how dangerous an event that is. Uh, many children and many mothers have died at, because of the, the arduous uh, act of giving birth was too much for them. This was during a time in which it was no easy feat for, for a mother to give birth and uh, for a child to be delivered without dying. And, and yet, uh, we see this tremendous event. We have to go back to this uh, the announcement that Gabriel gave 
to Mary. When Gabriel came to Mary and he said that, that she would be was chosen of God to, to carry uh, the Messiah, to carry the child. And she said, how can this be? I've never been with a man. And yet here it happens. Without ever being with a man, she's given birth to a child uh, while she's yet a virgin. She's giving it birth to a child that's more than just her infant, but that is the Savior of the world who's come to, to abide with us, to live with us. To, and here is God incarnate within her arms. And she's caring and nurturing that child, the child that is more than just a child, the child that is uh, the Creator God. God of all the universe. And all the clutter and all the things that we get so wrapped up in this time of the year and all the, the beautiful uh, decorations and all the things that, that tend to take our attention away, we have to remember the personal aspect of the birth of, of the Christ child. The birth of Jesus. He came to be more than just a child. He came to be our Savior. He came to give His life for us that we might have our sins forgiven, that God might dwell with us and know and understand the difficulty of our temptation and yet not sin, that He might go through this world and and help us to understand truly what God intended for us to know about our relationship to Him and to have Him share with us what true salvation is. We have a wonderful uh, thing to remember at this time of the year. <coughs> the very personal nature in which Christ doesn't come just to save whole groups of people. He comes to save each one of us individually. He doesn't come to us and talk to us all in a big group, and then that's it, and that's all. He comes and impresses upon each of our hearts the need for a Savior, the need for someone to take our sins from our life, to do what we can't do. The very personal nature, the personal aspect of the fact that that God has brought salvation not just into the world as a whole, but into my life into your life to give each one of us the opportunity to know God personally. You see so many religions throughout this world, they have visions and understanding of a God uh, that's nothing like what we understand God to be. God comes to us personally and desires for us to know Him individually. It's not a, we don't have a religion where everybody in our family becomes a Christian because, just because they're part of our family. God seeks to have a relationship with us one-on-one, personally, as our Savior. And that's the message of Christmas, that God has come that we might have salvation individually, personally, to know Him as Lord and Savior. Let's pray. 
Dear gracious Father, Lord, we thank You and praise You for Your great love. And we thank You that You've given us an understanding of who You are. And Lord, the fact that You've done so much throughout this world to bring us to a place in which we can know You personally and individually. Lord, we pray that You would bless us. Lord, that You would help us to, to yearn to know You. Lord, help us to carry the message of Christ to others so that they might know You as Savior and Lord as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.